0: You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts Scott Dunstan and Brian Young.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Brand Builders Podcast brought to you by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young, and we are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and Brandon Russell of Home Sierra. Uh, He has the recipe for success, good looks, great personality, and a great set of tools. Not only is he a model, actor, and a carpenter, Brandon Russell will tell you uh, all three helped him become the professional that he is today. Uh, He's modeled all over the world and has also appeared on two seasons as the carpenter on the wildly popular TLC series, Trading Spaces. He's also written a book and owns a home concierge business. Uh, And guess what? He grew up right here in Charlotte. Uh, Welcome to the Brand Builders Podcast, Brandon.
2: Oh, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. It's a lot. It means a lot. It means a lot to come out.
1: We're happy to have you,
0: Brandon, and thank you for that warm intro there, Brian. Nailed it. You're yeah. nailing it. You're nailing it. So, so, Brandon, you once wrote that a professor at App State first noticed the actor and model in you, but it was your late father who gave you a love of fixing things and the tools, and you built the rest from there. Tell us how you learned to build things, which you're so famous for now. Um, well, I mean, I think you hit the
2: nail on the head there. Uh, no pun intended, but uh, no, honestly, it was my dad was uh, had what they called uh, like a master's journey journeyman certificate is what it called in carpentry, which is kind of like getting your degree because you don't really go to college to become a master carpenter. I don't know what classes you know they had for that. It was more just the trade, um, and he had learned all through life doing all kinds of stuff. So when I grew up. Um, that's kind of where I learned most of, I guess, the fundamentals of putting everything together. You know, no matter what you build, uh, one time it can always translate into the next problem or the next thing you need to fix. So it just kind of helped ingrain, I guess, building the common sense of if this worked before, maybe a little twist of it could work on the next project or the next thing. Um, but my dad, one of the, I guess one of my favorite things about you know what my dad did that really helped me was he, he never just told you what to do or did it for you he let us sometimes he'd i'd ask him how do you do this he goes i don't know how do you do it and he'd make me think for myself and learn um how to fix problems by making it worse sometimes but that's how you learn how to not do that again you know people (laughs) ask me all the time how do you know how to fix everything because i've done it wrong 10 times (laughs) (laughs) but i tell you what now i really know how to fix it because i have i know what I went through and what you may be going through and what you will go through if you don't, you know, follow certain ways of doing stuff, because I learned from mistakes, not from knowing it all in the beginning. So, yeah.
1: So, so not only are you a carpenter and, and, and all of that, but you also are a model and that's taken you all around the world. Um, You visited some really cool places. Tell us what was the best trip? What was the best experience? And, and really, what did that teach you as you've continued to grow in, in your profession?
2: Yeah, well, I would say probably the craziest thing to kind of touch back again where Scott said, uh, one of my professors in college, uh, we did a whole experiment in Introduction to Theater and Dance. I took that seriously, just simply for an elective. And while in that, we learned the process of how you cast and you give like certain requirements for the villain, certain requirements. I wasn't the villain. Certain requirements for the hero. Yes, I was the hero, <laughs> but uh, super Russell. But uh, it was uh, it was really it was really cool um, to see that process and how you give certain descriptions and people start to you know weed out what they think doesn't fit this, and then that's how it is. And the my professor uh, Ed Pilkington actually was the one that. Tried to get me to be on the stage, and I was 100% against it. I was business-driven. I was going to run my own companies. I was an entrepreneur. I was never going to do this. And um, the way I really got into it was uh, an ex-girlfriend was a model and actress, and she just was destined that I did it. And actually to kind of just get people to quit bugging me about doing it, I just went to a casting um, or went to an actual agency just to see. And then they did want to use me. And then I said, "Ah, oh, this is just happen chance. There's no way it's going to work out." But they actually booked me on a commercial two days later. And when I went on that set, sat down, and got treated like I did, it was amazing. And then I got paid what I got paid. I was like, "This is something I could do." <laughs> so uh, that's how that actually got started. I graduated. Uh, from Appalachian State University, and told my dad I was going to start modeling, and that was not what he wanted to hear. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, after becoming successful in it, and it took some years, you know, two to three years, you build up your portfolio. Actually, my dad was the one that always carried my comp card around. And for those of you all don't know, we didn't have the computers we have today. That was like we actually had to print cards with your photos on it to hand out to clients, kind of like you do a business card. A comp card was a composition card of all your different images that you know they chose to put together. But my dad used to carry that with him and took credit for the way I looked because he was the one that made me look like that. (laughs) So but that's how I got there. But when you say probably the craziest thing to answer your question, Brian, is that I would say it's uh I once got to do a trip to uh Bora Bora to shoot a um a new I guess the motus, the private little huts that they have that are over the water, but it was uh, a brand new resort that had just upgraded, and they, we got to just film all the amenities. So it was amazing that for eleven days I had to be pampered and treated to luxury just
0: for photos.
2: <laughs> so uh, it was pretty amazing, opportunity pretty amazing. Most
0: people don't get. Uh, is that is that sort of what led you into? I, I'm curious how you landed on Trading Spaces, which was. One of the best-known early yeah, home no. improvement shows. You know,
2: when I, that, was, that was before. But when I came back, my, my father was sick with cancer, and he, he ended up passing away. And it kind of really, at that time, made me start thinking, what am I going to do in life? Do I want to move back? Do I want to go back to California? Do I want to live here? And it really starts making you think about life. When my dad died, you know, at an early age. He was uh, 56, and I was 26 or 27 at the time. So it affected me a lot, made me really start thinking I need to I need to really know what I'm going to do. So I decided to <clears throat> come back to Charlotte. I wanted to buy a home and invest, get some equity. So I bought a home, um, not knowing nearly what I know now, but I did know a little bit of how to fix stuff. So I, I did buy a home here in Charlotte and didn't really live here for about a year and a half. Um, I'd come back occasionally because I was still traveling a lot at that time doing modeling. But then... I was auditioning for different things, and it's kind of a too long of a story. But the the short of it is, I w- I was told that this is the next biggest show of all time for home. We had no clue what the show was. I went th- to the uh, audition, it, it was in ten different cities. You know, they were seeing people. I went down to Atlanta for it, and the girl said, "You're going to get it." And I said, "Well, I appreciate that, but I've heard that many times, so don't <laughs> give me the hopes up." She said, "No, I do this for a living." I'm telling you, you're gonna get it. I said, Well, I appreciate that again, but I've heard that after I've been told that I did, and it just doesn't happen. So I didn't want to get my hopes up. But I did get a call back, um, flew to New York. She came up to me after we had a whole, you know, I had to give my little spill. And um, she said, They love you, you're gonna get it, you're gonna get it. I said, Please, please, you gotta quit doing this to me. <laughs> and and the reason I say that is because what followed was exactly what I didn't want to happen. I didn't hear and an email, didn't get a phone call for eight months. And so I assumed, of course, that it, was a, it wasn't it was going to happen. And then one day there was another opportunity for another show, and I was driving down. I was going to be driving down the next day. They said, you don't have to come. I said, no, I can come, I can come. They're like, you're not available. I said, no, I, I, mean, I am available. And they said, no, you're not, because you just became the next carpenter on Trading Spaces. I had no clue it was Trading Spaces, but I knew what Trading Spaces was. I watched it, and, uh, you know, it was the most, Probably surreal moment. It's the first time I understood what tears of joy are because, like, it is something I wanted it, but secretly you keep it within because you just, if you don't make it, it. Feels bad when you don't sure. get it. And um when I finally realized what it was and how how blessed I was that not only was it a home show, it was the most, you know, epic home show of starting. And they pretty much over here. It kind of. Here in America, it was from a show over in BBC, I think, used to carry it and it was changing rooms, but we kind of copied it. And uh, it, it kind of, in my opinion, it laid the foundation and groundwork for HGTV and all the home shows we watch today. So it was it was very surreal that that was a show I was using as my launching pad.
0: That's super cool. How, how many seasons were you on there?
2: I did uh, season seven and eight. So I had two seasons. I think I did a total of either 26 uh, episodes or um, I think that's what it was, about 26 episodes. Good Lord. So was that the only
0: thing you were doing at the time? I mean, is that all you had time time
2: Yeah, I mean, at that time you traveled so much and also like the modeling, it had to stop a little bit because once you sign that, you know, your images kind of – you can't just do anything because you don't know who different brand sponsors are and stuff like that, so – um that's pretty much all i did have time for because when you're not filming an actual episode i would be doing appearances on the today show and you know different morning shows and stuff like that giving home home advice and how to winterize your home and get ready and how to open the house up for the spring stuff like that
0: so so by doing the show your your personal brand you you instantaneously became a it's sort of a go-to resource and and people trusted what you were up to because you had the show behind you and all yeah, of that is I that think, is that kind of I think what, that's
2: pretty pretty accurate. I think what's amazing is it gives you a little probably a little more um approval and credibility than some people deserved and <laughs> maybe more than I deserved at the time <laughs> I'm because like, Damn, I got to fix this stuff. You know Figure Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you know, you watch the show and you think I am super carpenter because somehow I did all this, you know, by myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Luckily, there's no cameras in here because I'm winking. Like, mm-hmm. that's not really true. But, you know, it really is pretty crazy, um, the credibility that it does build. Um, you know, I, I can honestly say I, I could do a lot then, but what I can do now, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a laugh at, you know, how much I've learned and grown even more um, compared to what, you know, I knew back then absolutely. Do yeah. you
1: ever, like, you mentioned that with HGTV and this kind of launched all those, you know, home improvement shows, um, me and my wife, we've loved watching Fixer Upper, you know, Joanna. Yeah. Oh they're, yeah. They're course. awesome. Right. Like, so that's one of our favorites to watch. And it's, it's unbelievable to see where they take a house. Do you have like a favorite show that you watch now? Or do you ever watch those and go, Oh, I would have done something different since you are a carpenter. Cause to me, it's like, I look at them, that's amazing. But you probably notice things yeah. that the the yeah. normal eye doesn't. Well, I'll
2: be honest, it's very tough doing what I do with design and um, building and trying to, you know, build. You you know, I guess when you've been on TV and all eyes are on you, you have even more of a perfection of wanting to make sure what I do is right because I feel, you know, you feel judged a little more because if I mess up, then, you know, well, how, you know, they're going to point it out. That's the point, I guess, is they are going to do that. But, yeah, when it comes to different shows, people ask me all the time, and I feel really bad, when they say, oh, you watch that. First of all, most of the time I tell them, I, you know, when they know I was on the show, they're like, yeah, I love Trading Spaces. HGTV is my favorite network. And I'm like, well, no wonder we're no longer on TV because we never were on HGTV. <laughs> <laughs> we're TLC. We're TLC. <laughs> and I love it. But I love both of them. But I'm like, no, we, we were on a different network at the time. It still, still is. It's never been on that network. But I love HGTV. But people always ask, and, you know, truthfully, I don't really watch that many shows. Um, I do know, of course, I know Fixer Upper, and I know what, you know, Chip and Joanna, I think they do amazing, um, amazing things and have taught a lot of people. I mean, shiplap sales are out the roof. Um, Everyone does shiplap now. You know, that was kind of one of their main things they were doing, they loved it, and they do a lot of other things. But um, it's kind of hard to watch, to be honest, because I know behind the scenes and what's going on. So, like, I'm just like, oh, you know, you kind of see these things in there, so... You've watched things, and it's almost like it's like if you shot a commercial, you know that, oh, that guy didn't start walking in time. And you, know, right. you, you notice things. But, yeah. but no, I mean, I love the shows, and I think the greatest thing is the, the inspiration it gives people and homeowners. That's one of, one of the things I'm the greatest advocate for is, you know, teaching people, you know, with my company. Um, I want to make sure that people understand they're taken care of, and I know a lot of people are worried if they're getting the right um, – Contractor or the right worker you know they, they don't know who to trust, you know. So I I love the shows like that that really do show. But most important for these shows today is just being honest, I think, and not inflating what's being built by saying it only costs this, but it really costs that. You need to be honest with that kind of stuff because it just throws out a misperception. And then when you go to do it as a homeowner, and then you go in the hole an extra ten grand, well, that's what you really would have done anyway. Because some things can't be done for what Mm -hmm. you think. And you've got professionals doing it compared to you. I mean, even though a professional tells you how to do it, it's something they're used to. So it's kind of hard to immediately be a professional just because someone showed you and told you how to do it. You know, it takes learning.
0: So did your experiences with the show, did you take what you learned there, all the ins and outs of it? Because I'm sure it wasn't all pretty. So yeah, to speak. Yeah. <laughs> uh did did you take that knowledge to then become an author of your book, Faith and Carpentry? And and did that all tie in to, to your new brand or what you were trying to develop from there?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think like my book is uh Building Faith Through a Carpenter's Hands, and that basically was The point of it was using kind of my life story and kind of the way some of my ups and downs and through life teaching people how to use the tools of life. Um, Whether, you know, I, I tell everybody, you know, one of my points is a carpenter is only as good as the tools in his toolbox, but a tool is only as good as the carpenter that knows how to use it. Anybody can go to the store and buy the most expensive hammer. And if you just hang it on the wall and let it shine and look pretty, it doesn't mean you're any good at using it. Um you can you can spend all the money in the world but it doesn't make you a better carpenter if you haven't ever used the actual tools. Um it takes actually striking, you know, the nail on the head over and over and over so that you never miss. Um doesn't matter what hammer you have. So um I think yeah, I mean what I've done it, it helped it helped me maybe with the book and you know talking about things and you know being honest and uh just making sure people understand i think also with what i did um in my business today though it not only helps me you know my degree is in advertising and marketing so when i go in and not just build i design around businesses and restaurants that i do and sometimes i mean in homes as well the company is called home sears i do a lot of business more than anything um I build people's brands and understand because I had to build my brand and because when you're on TV, you become, you you are a brand now and you have to be careful what you say, what you do, um, what you write on social media. I mean, all that can affect, actually can affect, does affect. I mean, it does affect your brand um, as an individual, but it's the same with businesses. I know what can affect your brand and, you know, I incorporate that into my business now, because I believe social media has absolutely changed everything that businesses are dealing with today when it comes to advertising and marketing. I mean, technically today, your social media has become your social status, not just in a business, but as you as a person. So I'm kind of going segue to tell you something I think is important. But anyway, with my brand, when when you have a brand, and what I've noticed, um, even in Charlotte now one of the amazing things is people don't want to spend this much or that much on improving or doing a, a feature wall or the feature entrance or your um, sign, uh, your, your branding of your logo. Um, but what, what I've really realized and what's really funny is in a business, you could spend ten to $20,000 a year just to get your name and a couple little articles in a paper that no one may ever pick up. But Every day someone comes into your business today, people will take photos and post them on their Snapchat, on their social media, Instagram, Facebook, and you are basically represented because a lot of times they're going to stand in front of something they think looks good. So my point is by you putting a little extra money in your backdrop, your featured wall, your, uh, your sign image, it's what people end up standing in front of and it's actually free advertisement. So it's crazy what people are starting to understand that, you know, I use this example the best. Uh, If you go out to drink, uh, if you go out to get a cold beer, anywhere you go to get a cold beer, you expect the beer you like to taste the same no matter where you're going to purchase it. But what you have to choose is where do you want to drink it? What environment do you want around you? Because it's always going to taste the same. But now it's your choice. And I use this a lot of times as kind of a joke, but you know, a lot people may, let's say people went to a fancy the Ritz Carlton bar and they're going to put, they're going to post 20 pictures while they were having one drink. And that's all they could afford. And they're going to post 20 pictures of it, but then they all leave and go to a little dive bar, but they're not going to post one picture of the 12 beers they had there because point. the point is they're trying to build their status by saying this is where I am. And it's, it's just what people do today. They build their image. Their image is their status and they you know, we all say if we lived—if we lived, some people say if we lived half the life we show on Facebook, it'd be great. I think if we lived ten percent of the life we <laughs> show on <laughs> Facebook, it'd be amazing. You know, we always—we've got into this thing. We have to prove to people that we are something, and we use our backdrops and where we are as our status symbols. So that's why in businesses, I'm like, take—take take advantage of building your image by showing your brand in the best light because whether you want it or not it's going to show up all over the place and you have no control over it. So since you can't control who posts it you might as well
0: make it look good behind them when they do. That's exactly right and we can vouch for that. Um, You know one of our taglines for the business is from first impressions to ones that last. How can we possibly be promoting that if you walk in our office and you don't have a great first impression, and mm-hmm. you have helped us with that. The, the apparel racks, our DG sign with the reclaimed wood behind it. We have new racks going in that you're in the process of designing and building now. Um, you know, we're not sliding on the investment making there, right? but what we're getting there is something that we could take with us long-term to every space we're ever in going forward, and we get so much positive feedback. It displays our product perfectly um, it creates an environment where we sit there and have a meeting. People feel comfortable. They enjoy it. They look around. Everything looks really nice. Um, it's part of our brand. And right. when they walk in our office, we hear it. And, and uh, so it makes us feel good. It makes us feel confident. It helps us develop and build our brand. So to your point, you're exactly right.
1: And, and to go on on that as well, we had a customer in this week, um, Loan Simply, Roger Moore was in, and it was so unique because we have that LED sign that you created. with the, it's, it's amazing. We can change the color of the LED to that customer's logo. So we changed it to green. He came in. We had some quarter zips that he had, got done, loved them. And he came to me and goes, hey, we got to take a picture. And he points directly at that sign. I didn't tell him where we we're going to take this picture. He points directly at that sign. We go over We take a picture in front of that sign. He shares that not only on his personal page, but also on his professional page. And we got a lot of attention and we had a lot of people that maybe had never heard of the Dunstan group, but it all worked together from using you to come in and design it, obviously Scott to invest in it, but then bringing in customers, them seeing the sign, them wanting to take a picture in front of that sign and then going out and promoting our brand. And that doesn't cost us anything.
2: Right. You know, and I say full circle what you both just said is exactly what when I was in there this week talking with Scott about some new, you know, merchandising, shelving and stuff like that. While I was in there, I was there and witnessed and it was just really cool that the guy don't even know I built it, but it's just neat to be standing there and you want to take a picture and then they're like, well, let's, let's do it in front of here. What's really cool is think about this. He's taking a picture of what you made his new product. But he wants a nice looking backdrop, and he chose what you invested in. And now, not only is he he thinks that's the best place to take a picture, and you're like, I do too, (laughs) Because, (laughs) because because, because because when they see they like, wow, that's a really cool pullover. That's a really cool zip up. I love those hats that they're holding in their hands. But they also, instead of having to go exactly where is this, they already had this brand image ingrained in their head. They saw the the DG logo. And, you know, it just and it kind of, in a sense, is glowing in their mind because I mean, you got it lit up. And I mean, that just shows
0: you it's a it's a full circle thing totally. with keeping your image and branding like that. So, And, and speaking of full circle, yeah, man. again, with Brian's introduction was lengthy for you. You have a lot going on and you've built an amazing personal brand. Tell us about your next endeavor. Uh, fix it forward. Yes. Yes. Uh, we want to hear a little bit about that because that's important. That's you taking even more of your experiences and giving back.
2: Yeah, my, my uh, next step and what, what I hope to, you know, leave as the lasting impression that continues to give and never stops, even when I'm no longer here to do that, is a uh, nonprofit called Fix It Forward. And I came up with this idea, actually, when I was blessed with the show Trading Spaces and then a couple shows from there, I mean, I just had to realize, you know, I was given this amazing gift, and it's a gift to be able to be in front of people on one of the greatest platforms, in my opinion, still to this day, and that's television. Um, people hearing and watching and seeing is more powerful than any, anything together. Um, so, you know, I thought about it and searched, and I realized that, you know, I I, everyone always says, pay it forward, pay it forward, and I love the pay it forward, but, you know, I was thinking about what do I do, and what am I good at? And I'm good at fixing problems, fixing things in homes and, you know, helping people with situations they just don't have the knowledge of. So I kind of came up with the idea of, you know, the under underprivileged homes and neighborhoods that just don't have quite that don't have the money, but they're working all they can and doing the best they can to make it. But they just need that little bit of hope so that they can continue to keep going and not give up. And uh so that's what kind of birthed the idea of Fix It Forward. And, and what that is is basically going into the community, um, choosing a street, and helping it grow. And, you know, our, our tagline is um, resurrecting the front porch community from the back deck society we've become. And the reason I say that is because when I grew up, we played in the front yard. My mom and dad were talking to the neighbors, sharing flour, two eggs, a cup of sugar. I'm telling you, the only time you're going to see that now is if it's a Hallmark movie because (laughs) it doesn't happen anymore. It really doesn't. You know, we concentrate. If you look at homes, and I'm not knocking homes, but all these beautiful homes you see today, where is the focus? And it's the back deck patio. I mean, they, and they fence it all in and hide from the world. No one has front porches hardly anymore. I mean, it's just, it's a rare thing in the past in the design of homes. And, uh, I just wanted that front porch community not to be afraid to go talk to your neighbor. There's so many people that don't. So the way I wanted to rebuild that grassroots community that America was truly founded on by raising the church, raising the, you know, you everybody raised everything together and they helped each other in their home is when you go to one, one family in need and you just ask a family that may have three generations in one home and you know, for them, they got a lot of needs, but the greatest need would be possibly they want a new bathroom because just to have a sink that don't continually drip and a toilet that don't always run or stand in a, you know, tub that's not rusted out, because you don't feel real clean when you're taking a shower and you're looking down and it's never gonna go away that it's rusted and cracking as you step on it. But to go in and just redo that bathroom gives them every day they brush their teeth, take a shower. They just, it's a new leash on life to start their day. And for them, that was that was a need that just changed their whole outlook. And when they say, I can't believe you did all this, how can I ever pay you back? I'm like, you don't have to pay me anything, but you can help me by fixing it forward. And they would choose a neighbor, and that neighbor may be someone that has an elderly parent that hasn't seen the sun unless she's going on a gurney out to the ambulance because they can't afford to build the deck, the ramp, to get outside so that she can enjoy the sun when she chooses. But to have your neighbor take the time that you normally don't talk to, and seeing them screw the nails or screw the screws in, put the nails in, whatever for that ramp. You know, yes, there's a great transformation in the home and that family's life, but the greatest transformation is truly within the heart. Because when you give unselfishly and then you receive from someone without anything being wanted in return, it's when the two grow together more than anything. And then it just compounds after that. It's a... You know they pick a neighbor, and uh, and then by the end of it all, you got nine neighbors. It's amazing what nine neighbors can do. But you also just all learn great little tools of how to fix things. So um, that's kind of what Fix It Forward is. And I'm I'm launching a Fix It Forward YouTube channel, and it is going to encompass some of the projects we do. But in that, I'm also going to pull out actual teaching moments. So there will be kind of a do-it-yourself series within it, so that'll be a little short. You don't have to watch the whole thing, but you can pull things like from changing a toilet, changing a faucet, fixing a, you know, squeaky door, fixing a loose doorknob, you know, things like that, all kinds of things. I mean, it'll come from that to even people that want to know how to change blades or reset the fence on their miter saw so that it cuts a true 45. You know, all those kind of things that you may not know how to do. It's all over the place. I know it, but I'm going to put some twist in there. I have something that I can't disclose you yet, but I do have a twist that's going to be on it that's, I think, really going to just help. Um, all the homeowners out there trying to do stuff for their own home, but then it hopefully inspires them to go to the neighbor and, you know, now that they know how to do something, you know, spread that knowledge and
0: just help. That is, that's awesome, man.
2: That hey, is awesome. I can't wait for everybody to start sending in their donuts. <laughs> <laughs>
1: L- Lowe's and Home well, Depot, we have yeah, an yeah, opportunity yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah what an amazing, amazing.
0: story and, and mission. And and I think I think in closing, we would love to – Tell folks how to get a hold of you, how to become a part of Fix It Forward or just use your services through Home Concierge or purchase your book. Uh like I said, a lot of things going on. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do we how um, do we get in touch with you? Well, I mean, I do have a
2: uh, you know, Facebook page and I have I have both Instagram for Fix It Forward and then I also have an Instagram for Home Sears. And just so you know, that's H O M E C I E R G E. It's just basically it's the concierge to homes. So you just take the con out of concierge.
0: You got That's what I used to tell
2: people. I'm not taking advantage of you. You don't have to worry. My my goal is to help you not have to worry. So I took the con out of concierge. So, um, you know, you can reach me through that. Fix It Forward, uh, the website is fixitforward.com. It currently is not run because we're waiting until the true, you know, launch of everything. We, I don't want it to get bombarded with, People asking questions, you know, because they want to sure. get involved. Uh, please bookmark it, but that will be coming soon. And then the YouTube channel is—we uh, already have the—it's Fix It Forward as well. Um, and then you can always reach me at home at gmail dot com, um, and also have Fix It Forward at gmail dot com. So, awesome. any any inquiries, uh, I'd be glad to take that on. And we and we will be doing a lot of stuff with local businesses and letting them get involved and be a part of it. And um, from, from service abilities to also people, because a lot of this is going to be product based too. Like I have plenty of people that are willing to install something, but we need that also donated. Um, so, I mean, we already have a lot of people we're talking to, but sure. I mean, it can't hurt to always have, you know, extra support and extra things offered so that we can just reach more people with needs. So.
1: Excellent, man. Well, Is there anything next? I mean, we appreciate you coming on here. I know Trading Spaces is coming back. Are we going to see you on TV before we let you go?
2: I tell you, Trading Spaces is coming back. I will not be on this current season um, that's coming back. I don't know what may happen in the future. um, But I hope uh, that my goal is to be back on TV more than anything. But I'm feeling really good that Fix It Forward is going to make such an impact through YouTube that you may see it on the big screen. There
0: we go. There we go. Well, thank you very much, Brandon. We enjoyed having you today, sir. Thanks about the great work. Hey, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast, brought to you by The Dunstan Group, with your host Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out The Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.